Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's time for the podcaster who's uh, here to provide uh, provide some like uh, extra words, patrons. You're the one that empowers me to provide some nonsense at bedtime. Thanks, patrons. What do you say we can have with the show? Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, uh, turn out the lights, and press play. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna do the rest. Uh, like when I say we, it's a royal, maybe we, we could talk about the royal we. There's so many ways we could go with that. Uh, Wait, now I'm so mixed up. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and write some plus, plus, plus play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. It could be things on your mind that you're thinking about. So thoughts. It could be feelings, phys- physical, like so emotions, thoughts, physical sensations. It could be anything coming up. Temperature, time. Uh, just like remnants of the day. You see, well, I'm not sure if this is a thought or a feel, a feeling, a fraught, fought feeling, uh, or see, it's a bit of a thought and a feeling, and it feels, you know, say, fraught. Uh, had, uh, don't worry, I've had those before. Like, it's not, a, I'm not fraught. I'm feel. I'm not feeling fraught. I'm having a fraught. Believe it or not, one time when I was a boy, when I was just a lad, uh, I, they, I said, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to sell frosted frots. Uh, and they said, frosted frogs? Like, uh, they said, chocolate frog. I thought I was selling frosted frots and frosted frogs. Uh, no, uh, I just went off topic. I don't know what I, like, I didn't do that as a lad, but I imagine I would. Frosted frots for sale. Extra frosty, and uh, so anyway, I'm here to take your mind off of stuff, whatever's keeping you awake. It could be any of those things, but it could be something else. You know, you you, you could be whatever. What are you dealing with? Go ahead, go ahead, and let it out. Say, it could you could just you don't even have to say farrat, farumph. Uh, you could say harumph. Uh, you could do one of those. Oh. Let it out a little bit. We really, we we don't get to be as interactive. You know, it's not always necessary, but tonight it feels like it, doesn't it? So, oof. Oof, uh, make one of those faces that uh, cats make in comic books, comedic cats, and then the uh, the one of the artists or the editor or the writer or the penciler or the inker, someone has to come up with how to put that into words, that face the cat is making. So, yeah, oh boy, right? Because it wouldn't make sense if the cat said, oh boy, unless it was, you know, unless it made sense. Okay, where was it? So, sorry, if you're new, I don't always go off topic this early, but I normally do. Inver- inevitably, when I say I don't, I've just gone off topic hundreds of episodes in a row at this time. 
You know, I already forgot what the first thing we were going to talk about that was going to be interesting. Oh, the royal we. But let me set up for new listeners. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. And as you've seen, I'm going to go naturally. I'm going to go off topic uh, and uh, get mixed up. So if you're new, though, a lot of important things to know. My regular listeners, what up? Uh, Frost, why don't you have a frosted fraught and groan while I talk to these new listeners? Or grimace. You could make you could make a verbal grimace or a, a silent grimace uh, or just grimace with your body. Go right ahead. You know, that was a funny thing. That Wasn't there a corporate mascot's assistant or best friend named Grimace? But Grimace always had a smile. I never thought about that till now. Probably hours after leaving the fast food restaurant that where Grimace worked all day long and living in a world based on a fast food belief system. Uh, like late at night when the cameras weren't on, Grimace was grimacing. He said, oh boy. He said, wait, wait, like Grimace probably said, Ronald, explain this to me again. What happens to the, because fr- I think they were called like the Fry Guys, which were like little kids. He said, what happens to them after they go in your restaurant? That's oil? Oh, my goodness. Uh, A Happy Meal goes to be a place where it's happy, right, Ronald? Of course it does, Grimace. Goes to the happiest place uh, it could ever go. Uh, Well, a couple different places, actually, to be honest with you, Grimace. The belly. uh, The toys will uh, go probably in the car and then under a car seat eventually. And everything else hopefully goes into their compost or recycling bin. Uh, Ronald, what's a be- is the belly the same thing I had? Wait a second. But what about when we go through the Fry Lane and we sing the It's Rain and Fry song? Okay, how do we get this off topic? I thought we were going to talk about the royal we. Okay, so if you're new... This does. This normally, as I said, this normally happens, uh, but I guess I like to pretend it doesn't. So if you're new, a couple things to know. This podcast is very different and strange. I think you've seen that already. And it is a podcast that is best consumed in a loose way, like, like uh, with a natural grimace if you're new. Not to, to bring it back, though, or a, a doubt or skepticism. That's how most people approach this podcast at first, and so that's a totally normal way to think about and look at the show. Uh, Totally what most people do. Totally reasonable. Because it's it's different. So one thing to know is just kind of barely listen. Like sometimes people are new and they're like waiting for the story to start and waiting for the sleepy stuff, uh, waiting for the magic to happen. But the magic never really happens. Uh, like we get, this is where you go to get to see, you say, well, I, who, who's Grimace and Ronald Scooter? And I say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's just a, it's just, it's just one of those things in my mind that's constantly playing in the background. And then I say, wait a second, is that, is that a, a Donald's land over there? I forgot all about it. Uh, 
But I do, I still can't believe that creature's name was Grimace. Uh, now, because isn't a grimace like a face you make when your be- you, your belly isn't feeling good? You say, "Oh boy." Uh, but, but you're not totally. You say, "Well, it's just in a state that I'm not happy. I'm grimacing." Or when Scoots makes a, what's the face, uh, Alec? Uh, what's the what is uh, what is the face I make when I'm listening to Scooter? Correct, grimace. Uh, okay, so, yeah, just basically consume this podcast loosely, barely listen. That's the first thing. The second and the other part of the first thing is if you're doubtful or skeptical or not sure you like the show, that's totally normal. Most regular listeners say give it two or three tries and then kind of see, assess it after the third try and say, oh, I went from a strong loathing to a mild uh not caring. And then I say, my job is done. That's a successful transition. Uh, but you could say, well, I went from a strong ro- loathing to no longer listening. You say, okay, that's good. You're on your journey to your next thing. So barely listen. The other thing is that this podcast barely puts you to sleep. Even though you barely listen to it, it's more here to be your companion in the deep, dark night. I'm here to be at your bedside, talking a little bit of nonsense to take your mind off of stuff, to be your companion as you drift off. So my job is to take your mind off stuff and distract you. And ideally, as we walk together through the night, you float away off into dreamland. So that's what I hope for you. Uh, so it's a podcast you don't listen to. Is even though it's a sleep podcast, doesn't really put you to sleep. And the show's about an hour, so you have plenty of time to fall asleep. And if you can't sleep, as some listeners I know can't, I'm here. I'm here to the very end to keep you company. I take that job very seriously. And you can line up back-to-back-to-back episodes if you're waking up or you're going through a tough time or you're just, uh, that's your natural status. You say, well, I just listened to you for a companionship, Scoots, uh, to be my boar bud. I'm here for you. I'm more than willing to follow Grimace down Fry Guy Lane and then, you know, and follow Grimace home where Grimace is sitting on, I picture Grimace with a twin bed, a very simple room, not just because it's probably underpaid, but uh, I don't know. Spart is that is that what you'd say? Oh, it's a Spartan room. And right now, Grimace is sitting on the edge of Grimace's bed. Oh, Grimace is like a big purple mm, being, uh, a bit like a like a. It's a it's a. Mm, I don't know how else to describe it. Looks like a Grimace, kind of shaped like an upside down light bulb but uh, much more fuzzy and plush. And none of that's probably accurate with a big smiling face and big eyes. So, oh boy, where was that? I was trying to explain what my sleep podcast was. Okay, so don't listen, don't pay attention. Don't worry, I'm here to keep you company while you fall asleep. Structure of the show throws people off, obviously. Show starts off with a greeting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary. Then there's business. That's what enables us to bring the podcast twice a week for free. Then, the, like around six minutes or so into the show, or eight minutes or something, from eight, minute eight to minute 20 or 25, is the intro. And the intro is where I just kind of ramble on and on and on and... 
uh, like just like introduce the show. So for a new listener, you kind of get an idea what the podcast is going to be like. And I don't know, it, it just kind of tries to over-explain everything, which is one of my skills. And I get distracted. In the middle of over-explaining stuff, I go off topic and get distracted. Then, oh, what else are you talking about? And I forget stuff. So, those, so Oh, but so the intro for a regular listener, though, you kind of see how you adjust to it. You say, well, I like to start it before I get in bed, or I like to listen in bed, or I fall asleep. Or there's like $10 patrons that get two all-intro episodes a, a month. So they say, oh, that's all I listen to. So just kind of can you develop uh, how you like to listen. So for regular listeners, though, the intro is something different every time but familiar. Because I don't think I've talked about McDonald. Make, well, I shouldn't have said that because now they can find me. Uh, Grimace's family, family land before but i could have i probably i think i talked about snuffleupagus in the last six months and the uh i almost called them the hobbits or the fraggles the fraggle rock and oh boy was i wrong about that because i looked it up on youtube and i said well i got what i don't remember much about the fraggles that was correct except for the theme song i was pretty much i was spot on about that uh okay in that they had a belief system. I, well, I don't, yeah, I was wrong about this, but this is not in the intro. Some sort of garbage-based belief system. Okay, so, oh, so that's the intro. Then there's business, and then there's a story. Tonight it'll be our episodically modular series, Otter Things, with a, a bit of seriality. But here's the thing. You could listen to it in any order, because we'll, we'll catch you up on it. But you could also look at it like, uh, what is this, episode 9? You could say, well, this is episode one. All the other episodes are prequels. And I'm not kidding. Just like most like mass market paperbacks, you say, okay, well, you, you could read them in order, and that's fine if you want to, but don't worry. Uh, it's just as sleepy, and I'll catch you up on everything you kind of need, barely need to know. Or our hostess will tonight. Uh, so then there's the thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. And I think that's about it. I mean, the podcast is not for everybody. Uh, I've learned that over 900-plus episodes. But uh, a lot of times you don't know if it's for you or not until you find out, which takes a little while. Because it's so different. You say, well, this is a podcast that will barely – like, I like to be – do you like to be entertained? Okay, most people do. What about barely entertained? Well, I don't know. I've never been barely entertained. I'd say, yeah, you might not have been aware of it before because you were thinking about, if you were barely entertained, you were probably, uh, you say, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so just kind of see how it goes. Give it a few tries. I really hope I make the show for two reasons. One, because I've been there and I know how it feels. But two, because I believe you deserve a good night's sleep and I want to help. So give it a few tries. See how it goes. I'm really glad you checked the show out. I appreciate your time. And I really work hard at Yearn and I Strive because uh, I really want to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways we're able to do this uh, for you twice a week. Thanks. All right, everybody, it's uh, Scooter here. I'm very proud to present our ongoing, episodically modular, serialized, bar barely serialized series, Otter Things. 
and due to a magical hostess, uh, we're able to present the show in almost any order. Or not, like, well, in the order you're listening to it in. So, this is actually the first episode you may be hearing, or maybe the ninth. Uh, And if it's the first episode you're hearing, you can catch up or you can move forward. Because you are so safe, all will be well in the hands of Emma Otter, our hostess. Uh, This is a show about uh, odd things and otters, friendship and family. Uh, adventure and uh, discovery, and it's called Otter Things, and I'm going to turn it over to our hostess, Emma Otter. Uh, Hey, everybody, this is Emma Otter here, and I'm just uh, recording, and I don't know, I want you to know all will be well. I start off my radio show. Now, this isn't a live radio show. I'm recording it to be broadcast at another time, audio journal an audio report. I'm Emma Otter. And this is a tale of some odd things that happened where I live. I live in a place, uh, the swamp, a part of a greater swamp area. And our little part of the swamp is surrounded by swamp on three sides. And on one side, there's a road and a place beyond the swamp where no one is supposed to go. Though we've learned that people do work on the other side of that and stuff, but we're still not, as regular swamp dwellers, not supposed to go there. Uh, That's the Bog Walk and Visitor Center. And it's separated from our community by a road uh, where strange vehicles can pass uh, from time to time. And, uh, so that, so we're surrounded, we're town, uh, community, really a community of, uh, swamp, uh, swamp beings, uh, swamp based beings, SBBs, you know, otters, uh, beavers, uh, weasels, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of members are frogs, uh, friends, I, I like to call them, and it could be particularly my best friends, uh, uh, let's see, we have, uh, Willow. Uh, who is a beaver. Uh, we have uh, my brother, Tefe, who's an otter. My family, of course. Uh, my friends, uh, LJ and Vaughn. And uh, those, so those are my friends. We play a game, a role-playing game called Bards and Big Bunnies. We also record radio, uh, radio plays uh, in our spare time. And, uh, the, like, that, we were living a normal life, middle school kids. I got an older brother. Willow also has an older sister, Dari. She lives with her mom, Frances. And, you know, we lived our life. We, you know, we dealt with uh, kids that weren't nice to us and kids that were teachers we liked and teachers we didn't like. And then one day, it was a Sunday night, we were playing Bards and Big Bunnies, our role-playing game. And we finished up and everybody headed home. But Willow took a path less taken and she went uh, to a place beyond the swamp where we're still not exactly sure where she is. But as you know, because I've told you and I'll tell you again, all will be well. So no need to worry. This is just a recounting of the odd things that happened that led us back to the place where all will be well. And as far as we could tell, uh, she became uh, a plaything of a big bunny 
with goose with goose features possibly in a place beyond or underneath the swamp or both uh and was placed in a crib and sang to with some sort of hypnotic magical spell by this big bunny that makes you sleep and relax. But we didn't know that, uh, and we still don't know all the details. We're still uncovering it. But that's, you know, that's odd. You might say, well, that's the oddest thing I've ever heard. Oh, just wait. Uh, because we thought, uh, well, first we thought, where was Emma? Maybe she, she, you know, she took the path less taken or the road less taken. We hope she's not on the road. And we looked for her, as friends know, are known to do. But then we were told by the authority figures beyond our town that Emma had left and moved to the city and started her career as a musician. And she had already achieved success and put out an album, and mostly her album was goofing on us and her, our town. And so we said, well, I guess we weren't as good friends with Emma. We said, that's odd, very odd, not Emma's character. And, of course, we were disappointed, too, because we said we thought we were friends. And But but so, I don't know, there's something at the pit of our stomach. At the same time, we had found another friend named Billy, a duck-billed beaver named Billy. And Billy had actually come from the place behind the swamp, the visitor center, which below it is a bunch of... Uh, Places where they do tests and, and, and uh, the Greater Swamp Authority conducts experiments and things, but all will be well. And Billy actually had either superpowers, magical powers, or enhanced human abilities, uh, particularly when she would throat sing or sing, and she could do things like... Uh, uh, pump up the jam. She could pump up something with jam or with air. If if she sang the throat song, pump uh, pump it up or anything like that, or jump. Uh, she never did this uh, that I know of. But uh, if she sang any of the songs known as jump uh, that were popular in the eighties, you know we're in the nineties now. Uh, she would uh, like uh, you would jump probably like up in the air, or for my love, jump in, or jump, jump, might as well jump. So she had powers, and she was also trying to, she was on a journey of discovery. She had left, uh, we didn't really know a lot about her. Was this discovery of Billy related to uh, Willow? Yes, we found out it was. And that she had somehow, when she lived at the visitor center, under the tutelage of... uh, Dr. Max Modine, a fox, uh, who was, like, using her powers to try to use it in, like, a, I think to get a better understanding of how they could use powers like hers and hers to be amplified in case humans, like, were real or returned, you know, depending on what your belief system is, if humans are real or not, or if they ever were real. And then, oh, if they're real, what if they returned? Or what if they're, you know, they're out there somewhere in a place beyond the swamp as well? And if that's the case, uh, we should have, you know, instead of being a community-based value system, we should have a defensive-based value system or an offensive-based value system. And so that's what Dr. Max Modine was doing. uh, But while they were doing that, they, they were using... Billy's powers. She found a organic uh, 
what we can only see is like a portal to another world that may be its own organic being. And like some beings also have beings within them, or we all do, you know, there's uh, you know, there's different forest friends, microscopic ones that live with me and I carry with me every day. And we live like uh, with one another or I have my own biome. I wish I had said that right away because that sounds so much more friendly. I, I have my own biome and so do you. And this was some sort of uh, biome, possibly, that was like uh, connecting worlds, making a tunnel, making a tower, part of a tower. Very confusing. But somehow within that thing, we, we called it the we were associated with the, the tower of sorcery, uh, was this goose bunny. We're this big bunny, and now we're wondering. I don't know. There's still a couple of missing pieces, right? Uh, meanwhile, I don't want to. I guess the other stuff I could just tell you in two seconds. Uh, my brother Tefe and Dari teamed up. Oh, they're gonna fill you in. I forgot. Uh, we'll catch you up. Uh, so that's what we know. So I could just start where we are. Uh, so Vaughn, Billy, and I had gone back to my house. We had relocated Billy. We had dealt with some bullies uh, from my school. Billy had saved us. It was pretty awesome. Made me fly or made Vaughn fly. I can't remember. There was flying, though, and even a vehicle and so many things. But uh, we returned home because we were exhausted and we cleaned Billy off, and Billy and I were talking, and I was saying, she's Billy, uh, really sorry, because we'd all kind of lost our cool. And I said, I'm sorry I lost our, my cool. I really missed you, and I really like uh, being your friend, and I really, I guess I really care about you. And Billy said, I care about you, too. And it would uh, like, uh, I don't want to, you know, it's between me and Billy, but we were felt a level of closeness. Um, and I just was like, geez, I was really concerned. And also maybe because I lost, you know, I like, so I felt like the need to apologize and acknowledge that I had caring for Billy. And as we kind of like just held each other's uh, paws and flippers together, Vaughn burst in and Vaughn said, uh, one of our bikes won't stop clicking. I think it's clicking. I think it's clicking SBBS. Not, uh, but whoever's doing it's trying to say it's a LJ. I think saying SBBS. It's LJ. SBBS. It's LJ. So we listened, and it was uh, Vaughn's bike. And because we would communicate with these uh, telegraphs, we had battery powered, solar powered, bike powered telegraphs radio wireless telegraphs uh, so we could talk to each other while we're on bike really handy because you just use your thumb on your bike and it actually vibrates through your whole bike frame so you could feel it in your whole body so you, you we really knew i guess lj was excited because lj was really good at a uh, uh uh like a telegraph code and we said, so then we said, what is it? What's it? And then Vaughn, of course, had to say SBBS, question mark, question mark. 
And then we're again. It was like bard stoppers, bard blockers. What it? What a uh, Gerard. Wait a second, Gerard Bard, bad Bard. Gerard bad Bard are coming. Uh, and they said bad Bards are coming, but also Gerard. And we said, that's what he said it 14 times in a row or something, those combination of words. And then Vaughn ran upstairs to my house and looked outside and saw these uh, vans pull up. Uh, One was a news van and the other ones uh, were the vans that uh, LJ had seen earlier uh, of this organization that's against Bards and Big Bunnies in comic books. And Gerard is a famous investigative reporter who has a show and this particular season is fixated on how board games make your kids abandon their belief systems and, and take up other belief systems that aren't uh, a little bit, you know, a little very inventive uh, uh, for fiction. But this was real, this Gerard. Or so we thought. Turns out, no. And so Vaughn ran back downstairs and said, we got to go. It's like... Uh, it's, you know, b- bad bards, I think, undercover. And so we said, okay. And then my mom said, what is this hubbub? Uh, and we said, mom, we got to go. We love you. If anybody asks, uh, we'll be at school. We're, we're, at, we're, we're doing a study hall somewhere at the library. Yeah, we're at the library. And as we ran out, we hopped on our bikes. Uh, we pulled out of my house and... Uh, I caught my first glimpse of this Dr. Max Modine, a max, a, a maximum doctor of uh, moods, I guess. He looked at us, uh, looked at Billy. Billy and Dr. Max made eye contact, and Dr. Max kind of furrowed his fur, furrowed a furrow, fur, furrowy, furrowy brow. And then we took off. We have swamp bikes, which are bikes that can go on the ground. They're like a dirt bikes and water bikes. Uh, and, of course, they have the cool telegraphs. So they can go on water and on land, which will be important in a minute because they started to chase us in their vans, which are, you know, gas-powered or electric-powered or whatever, gas-powered, I guess. And, but actually at the same time, Gerard went to my house and my mom said, are you Gerard from the TV? And then my dad said, that's Gerard from the TV. And Gerard said, I'm Gerard from the TV. Uh, Roll the cameras and said, I wonder if you realize uh, your children are playing a game uh, that has, you know, like uh, capitalist overtones. uh, and uh, they were like, then some of the people, so they split up. Most of them were following us, but Gerard and a team started to tell my parents this whole nonsensical story about bards and big bunnies, which I kind of don't need to get too deep into. Because we were also, we were talking to LJ or Vaughn was and relaying it and saying, LJ said they're from the place beyond the swamp, uh, and so we started to ride, and then we met up with LJ, and we were trying to take turns and avoid go through trees that were narrow. 
but you know the vans were going fast so we could only we were slowly losing ground and also they had like four vans so we were like we're never going to be able to lose them uh but then uh we we uh we're like oh no what are we going to do and the lj said we'll go into the water like uh their vans why didn't we think of that uh but we don't want them to think that so we went on this long roundabout, and then we headed towards the road uh, because we knew we could go left, and then there was this big swampy area uh, that we could ride out our bikes to, and we just w- w- turned to this crank or, uh, you know, depending on your bike model, to, to make these flaps come out on your wheels, and the tubing of the bike's all buoyant, so you could paddle. So we did that uh Right as the vans were about to catch us, and then we headed out in the water, and they all skidded to a stop at the last patch of solid ground. And Vaughn said, ha ha, ha ha, and we said, yeah, it's so cool. And then we were, right as we were about to you know, keep going and pedaling and discuss what we were going to do next, uh, Vaughn looked back and said, oh no. And we heard this sound, these high wind sounds. We saw the backs of the vans open up and these giant turbines pop out of the backs of the vans. And then underneath the vans, these giant, uh, well, they basically became hovercrafts, these giant air bladders. And they started to follow us uh, because they were amphibious. Now they're amphibious vehicles, perfect for the swamp. Uh, and they were very fast, and now we really were out on the open swamp. The road was on one side. We couldn't possibly ride our bikes up the incline. And on our left was a road where one van was still following, so we couldn't turn. So we were just, uh, it was inevitable they would catch up with us. And uh, they were catching up, and then Billy, uh, who was riding on the back of my bike, I don't know if I mentioned that, her arms around me. Both of us tense, uh, and I felt Bill, Bill, and then I felt a vibration in Billy's chest, and I was positive that was the song Winds of Change. And as I look back, the first van that was closest to us, a wind uh, in the back of the van was actually traveling technically by wind power, changed and reversed, and then the van tumbled over itself. But then another van avoided it and got closer to us. Uh, but Billy changed the song. Billy was singing to a song known called Wholehearted. And all of a sudden there just started to appear holes in the air bladder and it started flapping. And that van just like went headfirst into the swamp. And then... Uh, uh, there was one more van, amphibious van getting close. Uh, that was the one Modine was in, Max Modine, not driving, but in the passenger seat, glaring at us. Uh, and Billy sang the song, Can't Stop This Thing We Started. And then the van stopped very quickly, which caused the van to also roll. Uh, but of course, everybody's, you know, it all will be well, unfortunately for us, because, you know, they were all belted in. But then again, there was still the van running parallel with us on the road, and Billy turned one last time and sang the song Cream, uh, which uh, usually is like, but it's all of a sudden this, uh, the mud underneath the van started to turn to like a creamy mud. It just spun its wheels and that didn't go anywhere.
So then we kept going, and then we said, okay, where are we going to hide? we got to hide somewhere. Because now we're on, you know, technically we're on the run. And we said, let's hide to the, let's head to the, uh, like, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, station, uh, like, leave tra- a bike trail towards the r- r- transfer station and, and make it look like we hid in the, the transfer station area. And then we went back out on the water. And then we said, well, where are we going to hide? And we said, well, what about, uh, like, where do they have the, uh, where we have the community resource fair, the community fairgrounds, uh, and we said, okay, yeah, yeah. So we headed there, and we got in the tree that you put the acorns in. Because, you, you, like, it's like a fake tree. It looks very real that you drop your acorns in as part of the Community Resource Festival. And it was a good thing we hit, had it hit, hit out there, because then we noticed a, a airship, uh, like a blimp, a zeppelin, that was coming from the place beyond the swamp and circling our town, like looking, assumingly were looking for us. Now, while all this was happening at the resource, at the uh, community resource, like community resource office, our town is run, you know, we have like uh, elected leaders, but we also have community resource officers, you know, kind of deal with restorative practices and, and uh, you know, just keep it, keeping the, the, to, you know, to help watch out, uh, like an authority, I guess. And the head of the community resource officers is our friend Bull, Leon. Leon was just getting there with Dari. Uh, because, uh, or with Francis, because Jari and Tefe had a guy, they had had a run in with other community resource officers for damaging like a mini disc player or something. And they were kind of going through, uh, there's a little bit of rote work when you first get in trouble as part of our restorative process, uh, like in, uh, before you make amends and that kind of thing. You have to do all these critical thinking exercises uh, about what you've done while it's fresh in your mind. And so, like, it's a lot of writing. And also they're asking, why do you have so many carrots? Like uh, the, the, the other uh, community resource officers, what do you, are these giant swaddling clothes? It was another thing they had. Uh, but then uh, uh, um, Leon and uh, Francis came in, and Leon said, "Stop the road, uh, critical thinking skills." And they said, "But they got to finish. They already started." While it's right, and Leon said, "I need to talk to them." And they said, "But this is a scribed process that we go." And Leon said, "It's uh, don't worry about it." And then Francis said, "This is my." A daughter, you know, we're going through a time here. And also, and then everyone else said, well, and Tefe's so great because everybody loves Tefe. And uh, they, they, then Leanne said, well, I need to talk to two of you in my office. And they said, well, you, it doesn't matter. You won't understand if we talk to you about it. And they said, Leon, I think they have like 5,000. There's something weird going on. And uh, they, they said, you'll never understand. Uh, and uh, Leon said, I want to understand all the sides of this problem, all angles. Uh, 
And they said, you won't possibly be able to understand it, Leon. Just trust us. Sorry, Mom. We'll just finish our critical thinking skills and go home. And then Leon said, in my office. So they went in there, and then they they were like, uh, they said, uh, he said, carrots? And they said, yeah. And he said, for what? And they said, for a giant bunny with a goose head, maybe two. And they kind of explained that they had discovered with Dari underneath the there was a place underneath the swamp that went to the visitor center maybe and down. And it maybe was in another world. There's Goop uh, and a giant bunny and a smaller version of our town. Uh, but that they, they were going to use. They said, "Well, we were going to catch the big bunny because we have think we have to believe it has something to do with Willow and Babs." Uh, not being around anymore. And, yeah, they said, I know it's confusing, and I know you'll probably tell us, said, uh, you know, but Leanne said, no, no, no. And Francis said, Daria, I need to talk to you. We believe you. but uh, And they went alone. And Francis said, Daria, why did you go off on your own? Why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, you had a lot on your mind, Mom. And she said, a giant bunny with goose heads? And Daria said, yeah. And she said, you went down there below the swamp uh, to find it. Uh, and she said, well, to find Willow and Babs. Uh, and she said, well, you, you, I'm here to help. Uh, let the adults handle this from here on out, please. You know, I'm an authority in our family and Leon's an authority in our community. And uh, we'll handle it from here on out. Uh, yeah, but you can help uh, barely. And then Leon said, back in my office, like, uh, and then right as he said that, uh, a weasel mother came in with her, one of the weasel sons that had been bothering us. Uh, and first Leon said, you handle this, lower community resource officers, but it said, like, uh, then he said, my son was bothered by a duck-billed beaver. And Leon said, duck-billed beaver? What? Uh and uh, she said, yeah, it sings songs that made my son do weird things, things that aren't okay, like uh, uh, that song on the radio about, like, uh, like, 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 like the whole Jocelyn Elders thing. And Leon said, well, that's natural, perfectly normal. And the weasel mother clearly did not agree with him. And then she said, no, it's not. Uh, and he said, it is, right, Francis? And Francis said, well, I'm here. She goes, it's awkward. My daughter, she goes, yes, it is, normal. And she said, well, singing a song that controls my son's mind and, and behavior, normal? And uh, Leon said, where, where, where's this duck-billed beaver? But meanwhile, Leon and Francis had uncovered that it was a platypus, not a duck-billed beaver. And the kid said, uh, it's hanging out with those who, like, uh, said nice things about me and my friends. Uh, those kids that play dress up in, uh, uh, child's games and pretend because they get, they don't like the audio drama that we make, uh, the radio plays or the games. They're jealous. And because we still come to school, like, dressed as our favorite historical characters or historic, you know, novelists or whatever. 
or put it, but so whatever. They so they said the the weasel said a lot of stuff about that, but basically said this that's who it's with. And then Taffy kind of said, uh, "That's my sister. You're talking about it." And now I'm not impressed because. Uh, and they said, "You're not being nice to Taffy's sister." Everybody there said, "Oh boy, you've got a great critical thinking skills uh, to do before you make amends." Uh, and the weasel's moms came in. I, I came in for his justice to be restored, not for him to restore any justice. And they said, that's not how it works, ma'am. Yeah, you'll have to sit down. And then Leon said, yeah, you sit down and I'll be back. And then they snuck out the back. Uh, Leon, Francis, Dari, and Tefe. And they headed to Tefe in my house uh, because they said, we got to find your uh, sister. But when they got there, there was, uh, like, a dr- all the vans were there. Uh, they, I guess they'd had replacement vans or whatever. Some of them were covered in mud, so maybe two of them were towed. But Gerard was there, and they were taking stuff, and uh, Teffy wanted to go in and get— t- Teffy said, I could get my otter oil. And Leon said, you can't go in there. Uh, they're busted, and we we listened in, and they were telling it to, that we could hear that they told my parents uh, that, like again, that we were that we were in some sort of there was some gecko named Gordon who believed that greed was good, and that was a creator of bards and big bunnies. So gecko Gordon the gecko, and that we like. Uh, and Tefe, and they said that Tefe was the one that introduced us. So then Tefe was uh, uh, like, holy moly. And I, like that, it was about uh, self first and community second uh, and bootstrapping and uh, destiny or something. I don't know. Manifest. I don't know. Like all this stuff. Uh, in that Bards and Big Bunnies was really just about that, and that we may believe in humans and proto-humans or something, and that we believed in amoral behavior, behavior that was neither good nor bad. And obviously my parents were, well, my parents were checked out, so, I mean, in general, my life and my brother's life, so... They were pretty. They were mostly embarrassed, uh, and that Gerard was there, you know, putting them on tape. Uh, but it was all fake. Uh, so even if my parents were listening, to this it's a Gerard was just a character, disinformation actor hired by the Greater Swamp Authority. Also about the duck, Bill Beaver was leaving, living in our house. That was upsetting to my parents too. But then they had to brainstorm. They said, we have to track your sister down uh, and uh, her friends. And Teve said, I think I know a way. Uh, like, uh, would, Francis, can we go back to your house? Dari, like, uh, does uh, does Will have anything in a room that looks like, uh, that you, like, uh, and Dari said, a telegraph? Uh, and uh, Teve said, yes, a telegraph, the pressy-pressy thing. That's what I was going to say. So they headed back uh, to uh, uh, Francis's house. Now, meanwhile, we were we had a, like a, kind of a, like a, had a, a we were stuck in that tube for a while, and then we said uh, 
you know, we had uh, some time to talk. Uh, the the tube was uh, inside of a fake tree. It was big enough we could all sit in a circle, so we had to make eye contact. But it didn't take long uh, for LJ to say, wow, you really uh, saved us there, Billy. And I guess I was wrong, uh, you know, just saying that you didn't want to help us find Willow, that just is like, a, you know, well, it's a journey we're on together. But I was mostly concerned with finding Willow and uh, had some assumptions and I made an, uh, assumptions about everything. And for that, I'm sorry, and I apologize. And Billy said, you know, I used my powers uh, to make you run away and... Uh, uh, and I, you know, I, like I should have, you know, that wasn't okay. And also, I used my powers because I didn't want to find Willow because I was afraid that if you knew, like, to be fully seen by all of you. But now that we're sitting in a circle, fully seeing one another, Billy didn't exactly say this. I guess I'm putting words in her mouth, but kind of this was the general je ne sais pas. Yeah, was uh, yeah that. Uh, you know, now that I can, I feel full trust that friends can be friends around one another. So I'm sorry. And they said, I accept your apologies. And then I had to apologize. Uh, uh, like, because they said, well, you know, I kind of took Billy's side over your side. And I, you know, I failed to kind of grasp uh, your side of things, LJ and the weight. And I didn't stay calm. Also, then I had to apologize to Billy again so everybody else would see it because the last apology was private. Then Vaughn apologized kind of to LJ and, and to Billy. LJ for kind of taking my side more than LJ's and and then to Billy for uh, also getting mad at Billy when she made LJ run away. So, we, you know, it took a while because we were using more of our, you know, I, this is a, like a little bit, I'm like a little bit older now, so I have better use of my words. But uh, but then we heard one of the bikes uh, start clicking because it was like right up against the backside of the tree so we could hear it right through the thing. And we said, T-E-F-E-T-F-A, where are you? This is Tefe. I said, Tefe would never use my... And we said, that doesn't make any sense. And Vaughn said, it's a trick. Uh, it's not Tefe. It's a place beyond the swamp. And we all said, this is very odd. And Tefe said, where are you? Answer us. Uh, and we said, well, they could be listening to the telegraphs. Uh, uh, and then we said, uh, well, how is there any way we could know it's Tefe? And I said, yeah, Tefe is the only person that knows where I hide my diary. Uh, I mean, I, I assume on the planet, uh, definitely in the swamp because my parents never found it because they put us, you know, I have ways of, uh, discovering if my diary's been read. And they said, do you have a diary? Are we in it? Uh, and that was a sweet moment in the middle of tension. Even Billy got the gist of the fun and said, am I in it? And I said, uh, you're all in it, of course, uh. You know, using the journal as part of my wind-down routine. So uh, we asked F.A., and I'm not going to say it on the air, even though I moved it. Uh, but, well, I guess I said, like, so I put uh, some cardboard underneath. I made a cardboard shelf underneath uh, my bookshelf on the bottom. 
up above the molding. So you couldn't see it, but then it would hold, it was just enough to hold the weight. You know, I used tape, uh, and some sticks, uh, so it was like a, a cardboard shelf uh, that I built myself inside the underneath of my bookshelf. You know where the molding, you could, the molding almost goes to the floor and you could slip your hand into there. Don't know what it was for anyway. And if you just hid your journal on the floor in the back, you know, someone that was sweeping or tying their shoe could see it on the floor or they could reach under if they thought you might have hit it there. But if they're sliding their hand, the shelf would be above their hand so they'd have to feel around so it worked uh, except Tefe found it because Tefe was watching uh like uh Tefe pulled a trick where Tefe said prove it we're arguing and then said prove it like it was a trick I didn't realize Tefe's bright sometimes so what was the date that we uh like ate all that ice cream and I said like uh June 7th, and Tefe said, no, 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 it was June 22nd, because I, I knew, because I put it in my diary, and Tefe said, well, it wouldn't matter, because no one would have proof anyway, and I said, I have proof, and then Tefe said, well, get it, if you're right, then I'll pay you, and then, uh, so this was like, I think it was like five acorns, we'll say. So then I went and got my, went to get my diary, but Tuffy pushed open my door as I was reaching for it. And then Tuffy said, okay, five acorns, I'll charge you 15, uh, you know, to leave your diary alone. That was after, like, so after I did that, Tuffy, like, uh, basically diary napped my diary. So... So I said, where do I used to hide, where do I hide my diary? Because it just, it didn't happen that long ago. And Tefe answered, uh, underneath the bookshelf on a, a fake, fake shelf, uh, left side. And I said, that's it, left side even. But Vaughn was still like, this is some sort of trick. What if Tefe's with the people from the swamp? We can't, I mean, Tefe's not trustworthy anyway. And then we we were going back and forth, and then it, was, it came back that it was Leon, and Leon said, "Where are you? Uh, we, you know, we want to help." Uh, and then we said, "Should we tell them or not?" And then Billy said, "They might be listening." And we said, "What are we going to do?" And Billy said, "Answer them, and what I'll do is jam all of the other telegraphs in town because they're probably listening to all the telegraphs." Uh, and I'll put a different answer of where we are in every other telegraph, and then I'll need a long nap. So as we typed it to that one telegraph, uh, you know, we're at the community resource fairgrounds. Uh, Billy put in all these different locations. Uh, we actually had to make it was a longer process than that. We said, hold on, and then we made a long list because Billy... And then we actually had to uh, teach Billy a little bit of telegraph code. Uh, but so we did that, uh, and it worked, but it was only, there's only like 35, like, like we could only come up with 35 places. So we knew we didn't have long. We were hoping that we said hurry, because uh, we said, what if they check this one first? 
So then we said, okay, we'll leave the bikes at the base of the tree. And we'll go hide somewhere else. Uh, so we decided actually to hide in the Ferris wheel, which all the pods were down from the Ferris wheel. So we're hiding the base of them, watching the tree and waiting. And eventually we heard uh, a van pull up, and it was uh, uh, these people from Bayan the Swamp, some weasels and some other uh, swamp friends. Not friends, though. And they started walking around the tree, and we said, "Oh boy, like they're gonna." And then they found our bikes, and we said, "Oh no." And we said, "As soon as they check that, they're gonna check everywhere else." So we were really worried. And Vaughn said, "See, it was a trick." Uh, but then we didn't know this, but Leon and Tefe had pulled up, and Leon said, "Tefe, uh, what do you got in that uh, bag you carry?" Because Tefe carries like a a bag, like a, he calls it a side kit. It's technically like a purse uh, where he keeps his otter oil and some other like products he uses for his looks. And Teffy said, what do you mean? And uh, uh, Leon said, there's no way that the tips of your tops, your things are not only shining, but because there's a golden, because you got some like golden and he goes, yeah, Golderizer. I got a Golderizer cream. And the chief said, give it to me. And he started to coat these acorns in this gold thing. Because, uh, again, another thing, if you're raised in the swamp at all, is like the idea of finding a golden acorn that uh, the, the most experienced people of our community can leave these golden acorns uh, like the knowledgeable, most experienced members of our community, if you bring them a golden acorn, whether it's someone in your family or, you know, you go to the place where they all live and they get to, to live out their years where we take care of them and bask in their experience and knowledge, you bring them a golden acorn, they'll tell you a story from their life and their experience, a life lesson, but they'll also give you a treat if you're a kid or if you're an adult. Uh, they give you a surprise, and it could be anything. It's usually pretty great, and it really reinforces a lot of positive things. Like uh, people would say, oh, it's manipulative to be nice to the, the most experienced members of our community, but it really burns a pathway where you want to listen to them and you associate the reward with this other reward that you're getting from the parable, from their real life that they're telling you. So the gold acorns are worth a lot to everybody. So Leon started throwing them, uh, like four or five of these golden acorns that he had made with Tefe's, you know, gold grease or whatever it was called. And so then the weasels that were looking for us saw them and they said, oh, and then they were trying to grab them because they thought, oh, they were left over from the queue. They said, they, oh, it's a smooth move. But as each one like ran after a golden acorn, Leon used, you know, some moves uh, uh, to make them take naps, uh, special naps. And then Leon found us uh, and said, hey, come on, let's go. Before we, And we said, what do you mean? And he said, let's go now. And so we left with him. And then, you know, it's it's probably better, like, uh, I can, like, uh, then we went back and we, it was n bedtime. So we all went back to Francis and Dari's house, uh, 
and we had a sleepover and Leon said, okay, in the morning, we're going to go through where we are and where we need to be and come up with a plan for tomorrow. But for now, let's all rest together. We know all will be well. We know we're going to be here to take care of one another and help one another and help find Willow and Babs. Uh, and we all introduced ourselves. We also hugged one another. This was before we went to bed. I forgot. Like I hugged, uh, Tefe and I said, I said, and Tefe said, I can't believe this. Uh, and I said, I can't believe, uh, you, like, uh, and I said, I missed you. And I said, I missed you too, Tefe. And Tefe said, maybe we should be no more secrets. Huh? And I said, no more secrets. Uh, and Tefe said, have you been hanging out with that duck billed beaver? And I said, then we said, anyway, maybe some secrets. Let's respect each other's boundaries. Well, let's be better friends. Dari and Francis were hugging again. And uh, Francis was very excited to meet Billy. I don't know. It was a very loving moment. Vaughn and Al, you know, we did a lot of hugging. Uh, and it was nice. And then, uh, you know, we just, uh, like, well, Bull fell asleep very fast. So then we all fell asleep listening to Bull snoring. It was very gentle and nice, and we slept well. Good night.